whenever I'm working with a graduate and they mention that they are interested in working in education, usually, not always, but usually that is shorthand for working in a school environment or as a teacher or something related to that. There are, though, many, many different areas and job types in education. And before we jump into today's episode with Lisa Thompson, I wanted to explain just for a second why I chose the title of today's episode. I've described it as from studying English to working in an alternative career in education. And the reason for that is Lisa Thompson's career path has been has been largely behind the scenes of various different educational institutions and governing bodies. And her roles that she's had often may seem different, but they have overlapping skills and required experience. Today's episode is, I think, perfect for someone who wants to work in education, but who doesn't want to be a teacher. Lisa has plenty of teaching experience, but the interview today isn't going to focus on that. It's going to focus on our other roles. There is so much in this interview that I really debated about whether I should cut it down or not. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you'll know this is a bit longer than I would normally do for an episode. But there's so much that I thought Lisa had to share that I kept it as it was, with very, very few edits. There are instead a couple of actual gaps in the story, which I'm going to fill in at the end, but don't worry about that for now. For now, let's just listen to Lisa. Welcome to Graduate Compass, the podcast for graduates who haven't quite figured out what their next step is going to be. Lisa Thompson, I have to admit, I am probably the most excited I've been about any interview so far because I don't know if you know this, but I actually very rarely know very much about people I'm interviewing. I know the start point and I know the finishing. I have a little bit of an insight in yours. I've got little gaps in between and it's not a regular story. It's a it's a very interesting story, if you don't mind me saying so. So I suppose let's let's top and tail it to begin with. What what did you start off with and what are you working in now? And we'll fill in the gaps as we go. So what, do you want to hear what my very first job was ever? Or should I start with what, what my degree was in? What was let, Let's start with what your degree was in. Um, my degree was in English literature, um, which I studied at Edgehill University in Lancashire. And that was 10 years ago, crazily. And now you're working in? Um, and now I work for Newcastle City Council in the Education Directorate, Education Skills Directorate, as a service improvement assistant. So I work... Um, I kind of support with the logistics of um, like I facilitate schools and head teachers and the local authorities to kind of navigate the services that they offer and support them with all the issues that they're having within their kind of remit of education. Right. So we'll come back to your your current role in a second. Let, let's just rewind the clock back a bit. Mm-hmm. You you go to university. It was ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Tell us why originally you went to university to do what you did and kind of how you found it. I originally went to university um, to study English because I actually wanted to be an English teacher. That was like, uh, being a teacher was like a passion I had. Um, or I, I, I thought that that would be the perfect thing for me. Um, and I, I specifically wanted to teach secondary. So I was like, right, I'll go and do my English degree and then I'll do my PGC straight after. But what actually happened was um, I, I got there 
to university and as I was studying the course I realized that I was passionate about the subject matter and the theory and um, my tutors at the time we were I worked really like a lot with them and they kind of said well have you considered doing a PhD in English literature and I was like oh that's super interesting and then it kind of changed to maybe that's what I'll end up doing so the teaching thing kind of slid off my radar and I kind of sort of pushed towards maybe doing my MA in English um, which I ended after I finished my degree at Hill I ended up applying to do my master's at Newcastle University and started studying it there after I finished my English degree but then I I finished halfway through because I realized it wasn't actually the direction I wanted to go um, so I ended up doing my undergraduate degree in English literature going from at Edge Hill and then moving in Newcastle to continue my studies but then getting halfway through my master's I realized it wasn't really what I wanted so I kind of backed quietly away and started studying. <laughs> That's what um, happened there. When was the realization during the master's that actually you were in the wrong kind of area and you needed to kind of reassess things? Was there a moment or was it something that built up with time? Yeah so I was because the, the reason for going into the master's was to pursue because I when you're doing a degree an undergraduate degree and you're surrounded by all this academia which is great you become really engaged with the subject that you're doing and the people around you and your tutors especially if they're really great at what they do they draw you into that world and you they make you like suddenly oh, these these doors in your mind open and you think that maybe you know postgraduate study is the answer so you're like yes brilliant I'm definitely going to just keep going through this um, and when I was in the middle of changing to Newcastle, I got to that point a little bit there where I suddenly realised that actually it, I loved it, but it wasn't for me. And I and I kind of regretted going into the Masters in English when I was halfway through it because I realised that, it, you know, the work, the work wasn't the work was obviously hard at, at a higher level um, and it was much more challenging. But. I couldn't see a, a career that I wanted to do with it. And I, I realized at that point that I didn't want to be an English lecturer. And that I, I think I needed to get some actual real experience in the world. Because by that point, I hadn't had a, a real, a real quotation marks, salaried job. I'd only ever worked in hospitality up until that point, which a lot of students do to kind of supplement their income. Um, and I decided I wanted to stop being a student at that point. I wanted to go and get a proper job, quotation marks again. So. That was why I left. I wanted to get some independence away from like study um, kind of thing. So it was like it was to it was a total penny dropping moment though. Like I I was working like part time at Marks and Spencer's cafe at the time, and I was I I had to submit and I was prepping for my dissertation. And God knows what it was like in something mental like I don't know, um, you know, women experiences of men at the front during the Second World War or something along those lines. That's what I was I was I was going to write my dissertation on, um, and I realised I was like, oh God. I don't think I'm I don't think I want to do this and I'm like stood at the cafe too like no this isn't me no I'm I'm just gonna stop now I need I need something new and that's why I stopped so yeah do you, do you know I I had a, a sort of a, a sort of similar experience um when I was I've talked before on the on the podcast about when I was going down the radio point of view and again I appreciate the irony of, of going down a radio and then coming back 10 years later and starting a podcast series but anyway that's, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of by the by but I remember that moment where I realized no I'm done I actually yeah. left in the middle of a work experience in the in the middle of the shift so funny it's like I class it as like a door closed suddenly closed in my mind I was like this is I have reached the end of what I had ever wanted with this and and in my mind I was like what what is it that is pushing me on here 
is it fear of disappointing people who, who have who have invested their time and money in me or is it my disappointment am I frightened of my own failure and then I realized that actually coming this far was a massive achievement anyway stopping halfway is not something that you should feel ashamed of and I just thought right I'm done and that was it and I think that's such an important thing like it's that that memory of of deciding that for me has stayed with me for a really long time because it's helped me it's helped me decide when enough's enough across the board kind of thing if that makes sense and um, so I decided it was enough and I just stopped and um, yeah, I didn't really look back after that. I didn't do, I decided that um, I wasn't really interested in pursuing the English teacher route after that, um, too heavily anyway. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so I suppose that the, the natural question after that, because obviously there was a little bit of elation, mm -hmm. a bit of delight, I'm free okay. from this, I suppose this expectation or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Was there kind of a crash of, oh my, what happens after this? Yeah. And if there was, what yeah, was your so I was unemployed after that, scarily, for about a year. Um, and, and I think I'd burnt myself out a little bit as well. So I went looking for a job straight away, pushed super hard, and I ended up getting a call center job. I ended up working for the AA Breakdown team. And I did that. For, I, I, I was going to the job center, and, and we've, we've all been in that crippling position where we're all like, oh, my God, I have to go and sign on. And, oh, my God, like... I'm, I don't know what I'm doing kind of thing. And my skills were such a really weird mixed bag between hospitality on one hand, which I had loads of experience and I've been doing it for five years by this point. All this hospitality experience here. And then over on, on the other side was this massive academic background of research and stuff. And the combination of those things, going into the job center with them, the person was kind of like, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know what, you know, I've got no idea. Um, so what ended up happening was one day she kind of just sat me down and she went, right, there's jobs at the AA, go and answer the phone. Um, I think you'd be good at it. It's not what you dreamed about, but it's a starting point. And I was like, no problem. So I applied and I got a job answering the phone and I actually really enjoyed it, surprisingly, when I got the job. Like, it was hard. It was really hard work and it was right at the bottom, and, but it was my first salary job. And it taught me so many really important things like, it taught me what an office environment was like. It taught me um, how how commercial companies work, which I think is so hard to know when you're coming out from a complete, like you don't know what you're doing. Like it taught me about how com commercial companies work. It taught me about HR processes, that things like just, things that I'd never really had any guidance on before kind of thing, really weird. Um, and then obviously the it was just, it was really interesting. Like, earning the money and having a bit of independence and yeah regrouping is what I did a little bit a little bit of a regroup it's good yeah so, um, do you know it, it, it's, something, it's something that as well that I think people don't um consider enough because when you when you are as you meant you mentioned the word burnout and mm -hmm. it's something that so many people yeah. who you know we refer to this kind of feeling like oh, exhausted after they've tried different things and, and, mm -hmm. and whatever and sometimes there is a lot to be said about just having a job that is that safe stable yeah to give yourself because you know and I think people who listen to this podcast they, they, they're the type of people who have that kind of ambition to want to go up and push themselves which is very admirable and sometimes mm -hmm. you need a break sometimes yes, you, just, you just need to go in what I like I genuinely look back on those years at the AA it was in hindsight one of the easiest jobs I've ever done and like the money wasn't amazing but it got me by and I had some great times and and it was the reset I needed because after three years I, I was at the AA two and a half years nearly three years and towards the end of that I had a moment of clarity where I was like 
I'm ready to get back on this horse kind of thing. Like, I think I do actually want to be a teacher. So I started looking for jobs in teaching. And um, I also started looking for like other office work to do part time because my plan was to volunteer teach to get my hours up to get a PGCE. And then on the other side, my plan was to get a little office job to pay the bills while I moved back home was the plan. And I ended up volunteering for a charity in Blake Law and Benwell called Success for All. And I did like supportive teaching for English and maths there uh, for a six to eight months. And at the same time, I managed to get a like part time support job at a company called NCFA, which is like an exam board, essentially. Um, so and that, that was really easy. Well, it wasn't easy. It was a difficult job, but it was processing results, printing off certificates, doing general like paper administrative work kind of thing. And then I do that during the day. And then in the afternoon, I go straight from there to, to volunteer teaching, which was it was great. I did it like three times a week. Um, and I did that for about eight months. And during my time at NCFA, I had this like dawning moment there where I was like, I'm on the wrong side of it. I'm going for teaching. I'm at an exam board and I'm seeing at this exam board what it's like on the other side of the table of the teaching world, having not really known that, you you know, the, these jobs existed at the, I mean, obviously I knew they must, people must do these jobs, but I didn't have it in my mind as something I could do. So like working at this exam board, seeing people creating exam papers and issuing certificates and, you know, quality monitoring people's work. I started to learn how I got my qualifications and how that in the background, how that whole system worked. And then I realized that actually that's what I wanted to be doing. So I, I applied for a promotion within the company, a more full time, more permanent scenario. And I got it. And I ended up, I ended up working for the for NCFE for six years. I ended up jumping from one role to another within that exam board um, over the course of the next six years. So like I am, um, I started off doing the certificates. I then jumped to managing schools and training providers for them and then after that I jumped to working on a project for them I did like this data migration project where I worked with our IT team based on the knowledge I'd picked up over the previous three years and then after that I got another promotion where I ended up being at a point of escalation I managed the, the, a team of people who looked after the schools I ended up became like a manager in the team that I'd originally worked on if that makes sense um I did I did that for like for six years I gave them and it was like I say that I I look back on my time there as one of like a massive period of growth because I learned so much about like what I'm good at and what I don't like and god like you know how how to manage like like things think things that I totally learned there were things like how to write my cv to actually match a job that I want um, because while I was there, there was like mentors and coaches there who would, who wanted me to succeed and be in their team. They knew I could do the job that they just, you know, I, they needed to give me that little push. So they would, we'd have meetings and they'd coach me on, you know, right, you're saving, you need to reject, this is what you can do with it. And then, you know, would you like to sit with me today, see what my job looks like? And then I would kind of do that for a short period of time and then apply for the job and it came up and then I would get it. And th that's kind of how it worked when I was there. So it was really good. Um, can, can, I, can I just interject because because I, I love your enthusiasm because there's so much energy comes out of you when you talk about it you can mm -hmm. just it, it literally spills out of you as you're talking uh, which which is fantastic but I just want to rewind a little bit because mm -hmm. um, 
I, I maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just a little bit dim. But I, I got a bit confused in the in the the starting bit when we talked about how where the progression and kind of how you got there. So mm-hmm. you you decide you're going to leave the AA. Mm-hmm. Um, then you go into this this exam board. What was the? Yes. Can you go through that transition period again? So I um I was working for the AA. Um I was I towards the end of working for the AA. I started having a bit of a terrible time there. The company changed a little bit, and um I'd already decided I was going to leave, but I hadn't had my notice in yet. So I was like, so I started looking for opportunities. I started looking for. Um, a combination of actual teaching jobs that were paid or volunteer teaching jobs. And I also started looking for jobs in education while I was at the AA. Um, and that, that period of transition kind of lasted about three or four months from like, it was like around the Christmas time up until the March. I kind of started job, job hunting again, started seeing what was out there. Um, and then I saw the job that came up at the exam board um, and I applied for it, not thinking I would get an interview because I, the two sectors I was in were so different. Okay? But then it, while making this plan, I got the, I got offered the job to for the voluntary position to teach. So I started doing that first. Um, so I would I was working at the AA, leaving, going to do teaching in the evenings. I then handed my notice in at the AA because I got a bit, I just, I, I'd had enough and I needed to move on. And I had a period of two weeks where I didn't have a job, where I was waiting to hear for the exam board. Um, and yeah, I moved home. I was living with my parents again. Like, pack, pack, I stopped, I had this lovely little flat in Jesmond and I stopped living in Jesmond and I moved back to my mum and dad's. Um, yeah. And then I got offered the job at NCFE. It was, uh, so it became like this nice little, it was, it was, it was a month of, a month of a bit, of a bit crazy. And then, yeah, just kind of slowly phased into the exam board volunteering. <laughs> so with, with the exam board, and you've kind of touched a little bit on this already a few minutes ago. And thanks for, mm-hmm. by the way, for clarifying mm-hmm. uh, just that timeline for me, just so I had a clearer, head, a clearer um, idea in my head. But I'm just very curious about what made it uh the environment that you could excel because you know you talked about going from promotion to promotion and you did you know you mentioned briefly that there was mentoring and there was coaching which is i think what personally i always think is a good sign of an organization mm-hmm. um what was it about working in that environment that allowed you to suddenly progress having kind of been at a kind of i don't want to say stagnant level for a long time but kind of just mm-hmm. at that same level and then suddenly things changed um i found it interesting i found it really interesting to be there and I was invested, and this is going to sound really cheesy when I say this, I, and I and I like it is it is cheesy. I'm, I don't care. I believed in the vision that that company had. I believed in it with my whole heart. Like they, their motto was um, creating opportunities to enrich society. That was their um, motto as a company, and it was about creating vocational education for children. So, and I related to that. So I related to the company Ethos. I related to everything about it. So when I was in the company and opportunities presented themselves around me for learning, I wanted to. And and I found it, in, and they were, they engaged me in it as well. It wasn't like they just were, had these opportunities lying about that I could just go pick up whatever. But like, you know, when you, I, I got in this place where I kind of thought, this is the kind of place that I want to be. This is the kind of company I want to work for. Um, 
and I'm interested in what they've got going on and I'm good at like I, I started to learn what I was good at with them in a way I'd never really done before so like I re- I suddenly start like they, they they would you know praise me when I did a good job and you know um give me get, get, like talk to me about what it was I was interested in and that gave me this like suddenly like this light bulb moment where I was like well actually I'm really good at customer service and actually I'm really good at people and actually I'm really really good really good at organization um and I enjoy it and I'm really good with excel spread and it just it kind of it grew and grew and grew so with every new task I had with every new conversation new person I met the new you know, experience with it because the experiences I had there were quite broad. I suddenly started picking up all these little skills that were my were my bag that I hadn't really realised were my bag before because I hadn't really been exposed to them in the way that I had. Because you, you see on a job spec, you see like you must be good with Excel, kind of thing, and like you think, God, Excel is the most boring thing. I hate Excel formulas. No way, kind of thing, and then suddenly you're sat down at a desk and you said right there's a problem with them as an example Newcastle College they've got a thousand learners doing health and social care and something's gone amiss with them and I we you know something's happened can you figure out why that's happened and you suddenly put a pull a spreadsheet together because you realize that that's the only way you can figure out this problem looking at it on a list and then by the end of the month you've tried to fix this problem you've got a, a spreadsheet that's got four sheets and eight formulas and a diagram and you're and you've taught yourself it because this is how you're going to fix that problem and suddenly you have the answer to the problem at the end and you you you're like yes mint i solved that problem and by the by the whole outcome of it the fact that like actually i really enjoyed doing that in excel and actually i'm really good at excel and i really enjoy solving these problems and do you know what i mean and so that was one of the key factors in me progressing so far with, with them in, in doing that. It was an uh, environment for, you know, encouraging environment of development, really, in the, in, in initially with the people I was working with. And me actively recognising the different things I could do to make A, my job easier and B, learn more. So, like, I kind of, yeah, it was, that was kind of what I hope I'll answer your question. I feel like I rambled a little bit there. But, like, it was a... It's, no, no, it's good. Yeah, um it was kind of just recognizing all of the different ways that, you know, they could benefit me as much as I could benefit them, if you know what I mean. It, 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 again, it's something I relate to massively and your, and your particular example, uh, in particular, sorry to, to double up on that word, but anyway, um, just because, like, for me, personally, I hate it. Like, spreadsheets mm-hmm. and data it was the most boring, boring thing in the world. Yeah until it found a context that was useful yes do you know what i mean that that actually meant something and yeah. uh, i i work now uh, in, a, in a role where data information is is part of kind of like if not the daily conversation definitely the weekly conversation and you do mm-hmm. once it means something and you know something behind the figures and you're energized it, it yeah. means so much so much more mm-hmm. right so that obviously it was an amazing time of your life that kind of six-year period where you were mm-hmm. kind of progressing and learning whatever it obviously mm-hmm. got to a point where it ran its course otherwise you'd still yeah. be there so you yeah. decided to move on when did you get to the point where you decided i need to move on um this is going to sound pretty bad but i'm gonna say it anyway i reached a point with them where they couldn't teach me anymore and what they could teach me they weren't willing to teach me so, and by that, I mean, I got to a point where I wanted to jump again 
because I, I, I do the, I do this thing personally. I don't know how many, I don't know if a lot of people do this, but I, I love learning. So I will learn as much as I possibly can. And when I reach the limit where I don't feel like I'm learning anymore from a job, I move on. That's because I, I want it to be a two way, two way street and I need the engagement of my brain. I need it. So like, I got a point with them where I, um, they, I was doing, I was my, the final role I did with them was um, a kind of a middle management role. It was like performance management, digital management, data management, you know, um, and it was escalation. So it was complaints management. Teams had like a team of 36. I was performance managing. It was very stressful, but I was also doing like, um, I, w- I was doing a lot of different jobs all in one job. And they'd created the job at a time of change for them. And what I didn't think they expected me to excel at it in the way I did, or if for it to turn into what it did. So in the end, to put it shortly, the job I finally ended up with there before I left was, was two jobs in one. And they decided to split it into the two jobs and advertise one of those jobs at a more senior level on a higher salary and keep my old role in a much more simplified way. And my natural progression would have been to go for that better job with more salary because that's the one that would teach me. And that's the why, and that's where I realized by that point I wanted to go. Didn't want to do the complaints management, didn't really want to do team management. I was, I was doing fine, but I didn't like it. So I was like, right, I want to do the digital content management. I want to be, I want to work with IT. I want to be creative. I want to do this other thing. Um, and they, they didn't, I, I applied and they didn't give me the job. And I recognized during that process that they, there was nothing further they could offer me as a business um, because the loyalty I had given them, I felt, you know, it, it ran its course effectively. So I'd, it was kind of like, it was a sad moment as well because I had like, it was like a family to a point. So I didn't really want to have to leave, but I knew if I wanted to progress myself professionally in the direction that I wanted to go, I had to. So Hannah knows him, which was sad, but it had to happen because I couldn't have stayed in the old job and just done it when I knew it didn't satisfy me. Do you know what I mean? It's so bizarre, isn't it? But yeah, that was kind of where I was at. So yeah. I think it's really important as well to kind of just interject to that point, just in case there's any kind of students or graduates who haven't really worked in that environment to kind of give them a bit of context, because mm-hmm. that may come across as a, as a little bit, uh, I don't mean dramatic, but I'm trying to think of a word, a, a, a confrontational might be a better word, yeah. whereas, whereas actually, uh, as you and I both know from experience, mm-hmm. it's it, and you you use this phrase already. It just ran its natural course, and these things happen with jobs. Sometimes you just get to a point where you want to go one direction, your employer wants yeah. to go a different direction, yes. and they clash, and, and I mean, you have I mean, to make a decision. Totally, it could have looked completely different. It could have looked like can't be asked for this anymore. Or it could have been it could have been just so simple as I looked elsewhere and found something different with more money and was rather would rather do that. But it it you know it it. it when you're in these like you know because getting getting comfortable it's a couple there's a couple of things going on getting comfortable somewhere massive amounts of benefit in that so easy to find a job that's easy to do that's all right money to stay you know but the run its course quotation marks kind of thing that's like 
you would you sometimes you just do get to a point where you don't want to do something anymore similar to the masters I guess when I cut my masters and I walk away from that you get to a point where you just you you know that you just you don't want it um and you move on I get I guess so yeah. And, and I'm, I'm going to interject slightly. I don't usually, I, I usually just let people talk, but I'm going to interject with just a little, little kind of uh, anecdote of my own, if you don't mind, because mm-hmm. um, I had a, a, a very interesting experience in that I, I got to almost the same point that you had, except I went the opposite way. And um, in that I, I was there in, in a previous role and, you know, same as yourself, very much enjoying it, very much learning kind of and kind of pushing myself and whatever. And I got to the point where I went for a role which I didn't get that mm-hmm. I very much felt like I should have gotten mm-hmm. just based on kind of the context of, of I was actually doing a lot of the, the role, just not officially like, you know, in yeah, terms of a job title, mm-hmm. kind of very, very similar, I think, circumstances to what you had. And I decided I want out and I went to and I'm, I'm hopefully she's she's I'm in the middle of organizing trying to get her on the, the podcast a few weeks time. I went to see a coach, uh, a professional trainer and uh, and I went in and, and I was like, I'm done. I'm done my job. I want to leave. Mm-hmm. And I had a half an hour conversation with her and she made me want to stay. Yes. And and, 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 and and maybe this is one thing she didn't make me want to stay. She made me realize I did want to stay, yes. but that I needed to do a different thing. So it's, it's interesting when you get to that fork, it can go yes. one of two ways. I'm gone. <laughs> Because there, there could have been a conversation. So, like, in hindsight, if they'd sat me down then and said, you didn't get this job because, actually, we think you should do this job here. It hasn't come up yet, but we do see your future here and we will give you, you know, we'll commit this to you. If you want to continue doing this stuff that you're interested in, you want to go in this direction. And if they'd support me and convinced me that there was more benefit in me staying I would have stayed longer I'd given so much time with that company already and I had a lot of commitment there I would have stayed longer had they made the made the right if there'd been a person who sat me down and said you know coaching me help me understand that that was the right decision to stay but they didn't do that and I took that personally as me being there for them had run its course as well because it is possible for you to be somewhere and for you to have a collection of skills and then for them not to know what to do with you. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. So it's, it's perfectly possible for you to be in that position. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. it's, it's, it's also possible to be in that position. And this is, uh, this is what I learned when I was younger. And it's not their fault if they don't know what to yes. do with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If, if they have some that, and they've got these additional skills, yeah, there can be a little element of like, oh, they should be doing this and they should be doing that. Will we? Mm-hmm. Well, no, you, you know, you have mm-hmm. to find a way to kind of bring that value to the organization. Yes. But when you're, and, I, and I'm just talking from personal experience here, when I was in my early 20s, I didn't have the maturity to see that and kind of go, actually, you know, I should be doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, I think because of my past experiences, I, 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 in hindsight now, look back and see it for what it was. I was very emotionally driven at the time because I felt a bit hurt at the time. But actually, very similar to you, like, you know, it was it was a perfectly, it was the right decision at the time. It was the right thing for both sides, you know. Um, and I think it's really important not to let your feelings get in the way sometimes, even though it's, that's a really difficult thing. To, that's like a hard ask. You have to try and look at something like that objectively because holding on a bitterness of you know like not getting what you think you deserve is such a bad vibe you know what I mean like you need to be like right okay you know a friend of mine uh, called Bex she she said to me recently 
if you don't get a job, you weren't supposed to have it. And I'm like, right. Because she's she she's kind of going through a similar po- process of looking for it at the moment. And she's like, there's no point in getting hung up if something doesn't go the way you want it to. It wasn't meant to be. If it is, it'll come back around. So you just have to let it go kind of thing. Yeah, so uh, absolutely and and from kind of a, a different perspective I, I was on um the the management team of, of a particular charity or um, I was gonna say charity a voluntary organization at one point not a charity mm-hmm. and um we often had or I often had dealings with just kind of the other perspective as, as kind of like the kind of leader leadership management side of it to have people come in who were volunteering who were were extremely frustrated that we weren't using their the talents for x y or z yes. when when they weren't seeing that actually mm-hmm. myself and the other people in the, in the kind of management side of it were were maxed out and didn't yeah. have the time to sit down and that wasn't again not trying to shift blame or anything but just as we put in perspective that if you are in that situation mm-hmm. and if you do kind of have that kind of uh you know conversation needs to be had sometimes the company or the individuals behind the company just can't facilitate it yeah which is yeah. another aspect and it's just something that's worth i think we're rem- remembering definitely definitely it's super interesting i think it's super interesting when that kind of happens especially in volunteer world as well i mean yeah. Well, it's a whole other kettle of fish, isn't it? That's a, that's a whole other. That's a whole other uh, conversation. Absolutely. Right, so Absolutely. I want to. I want to go back to looking at the job that you have now. Let's start that again. Can you? Can yes. you give me a a rundown of what you do now, what yeah. the job title is, and yeah. what your kind of day to day tasks are? Yeah. So I work for Newcastle City Council as a service improvement assistant within education and skills. It's a fixed term role, it's not a permanent role, it's only for two years to work on a, and I was hired to work on a project for the Special Educational Needs Local Offer website that they have. So I work in the Civic Centre, well at least I used to before coronavirus, work in the Civic Centre in Newcastle within the education team. It's it's like facilitating and administrating aspects of the relationship between schools, both primary and secondary, in Newcastle and the local authority and what they need. So day-to-day tasks. So I have a couple of uh, email inboxes that I check if schools have emailed me or have have contacted the team through one of the third, like we have like a few different content management systems that we have that offer particular services. So I administrate those um, and I respond to any queries that come through them. They usually come through the inbox. I also um, sort of work on multiple projects so a day could be me collating and organising paperwork for meetings for senior management. I could be organising um, and you know facilitating an event for schools in the area. Um, I could be um, just doing any kind of general administrative task to help with, you know, uh, the finance team supporting uh, the education team with a particular school build, for example, or. Um, and then the, the main focus of my role is m- managing the project for the website. So I have been auditing. I, I Initially, when I first started the job, I um, was given the task of looking at the website and talking about how I'd improve it. And my background in customer service and kind of the digital aspects of the jobs I've done before gave me this, gave me this quite unique perspective on user experiences and stuff like that so it's like coming in so based on my experience I, I, I just looked at it and I thought right we need a brand new one so then I um I'm now I've helped procure a new platform and I'm auditing the old one for the content 
migrating it over to the new one and I'm running the I'm I'm not I'm not the project manager for the project I'm more the project assistant but my manager's kind of giving me the reins with it very much so I'm kind of managing a project looking after the website doing that so lots of different things but ultimately the ultimate goal is I am helping the council um education team with their administration of the schools in the area um which you can imagine at the moment is bananas but um yeah <laughs> that's what i do I, I i think it's worth highlighting the fact that you know and i, and I appreciate your career is like kind of constantly changing and and and, yes. uh, and moving moving in and everything like that but huge chunks of your career has have been drawn to education you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier on the interview the fact that you're, you're looking to be on one side of, of the system whereas actually your skills very much fit into another side or you, you're very very good at the other side of it this was one i just want to make a general point because a lot of people are drawn to education myself included who wanted to be teachers and don't really know where that fits in or wanted at some stage to be teachers um and it, it just I think that it's just a it's just a point for anyone listening that there are jobs out there that you you don't even know exist in yes, education 100%, 100%. that that are are you know it, like you when you think you know you think of education jobs you may not think of the council you may not think of exam boards you may not think yeah. of whatever so that's just a point I want to make for anyone listening the, oh, the second the second thing is what is it you about that side of the system that you think you're drawn to or have been drawn to in the past at least um I, I'm a ginormous idealist and I, uh, I, I want to be at the cool face of making life better for people, whatever that looks like. And when I originally started to want to be a teacher, I wanted to be a teacher because I wanted, the reason I wanted to be an English teacher was because I believe reading books can allow a child to suddenly envisage um something that they, they they could believe that they could be anything when they read a book because in a, in a in a you know fantasy world where anything is possible when you're young you can be anything right so that and it kind of comes from the idea basically i want i wanted to make people i wanted to enable people right so teachers the obvious choice because teachers are the great enablers of the of the nation in my opinion they teach and encourage people to become whatever it is they ended up becoming in the end but because I'm I realized that being an actual teacher wasn't my bag I still wanted to help people so the education sector attracts me so strongly because it is one of the most crucial parts of society like educate in my personal opinion education should be free to all at every level that's kind of how I feel about it because like you learning is one of the most amazing things kind of thing and so I I kind of made my peace with the fact I wasn't going to be a superhero um and you know whatever I could do to help make the world make the education system my education world better I'd put my or two basically was how I felt about it and you know you can't and it's a like I also find the administrative nature of it all really, I like order and I like organization and, it, you know, I like getting things right and making things work. So that that kind of attracted me as well, uh, I guess. I feel like I waffled there, but um, 
yeah that's kind of what it is Edu- I just want education I want it to work in education because I feel like it's such a it's like sociology you know what I mean it's like one of those things it's a very holistic sub area working and when you say when you said just there that a lot of people don't realize the different jobs you can do in education that is so true like the spectrum of education is giant like you can do like god that, that at every level at every level there are so many ways you could help kids or work with kids or make people's lives easier or you know it's just it's great so that's why I ended up working in education it's the attraction was there you're, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing because it, it's been um it, it's been a really good conversation we have kind of slightly run over on what I was kind of hoping for time wise what I was aiming for time wise always a good sign of, of a good conversation um but to kind of end up just as, as an ending point based on what you've learned and based on the you know the kind of people who will hopefully be listening to this podcast mm-hmm. who are trying to figure things out can you give us three bits of advice to end today's episode to um, about people who are trying to figure out their own career path? So three bits of advice. Be open-minded. Don't, don't, right, got a great bit of advice, right? Don't have a big dream. Tim, Tim mentioned did this little talk at a university that I saw on YouTube once, and it, I, I have held this piece of, this piece of advice with me, right? Don't have a big dream that you're fighting towards. Don't have this like vision of yourself in the future or what you want to do. Have short-term goals. What's your short-term dream? And focus on that. Because if you focus too hard on a big picture of what you want to get to, you're going to miss loads of opportunities around you to, to, to learn and have experiences that are actually going to be super valuable. Had I not been so fixated on the, my English degree, I probably wouldn't have done my master's. I probably would have moved forward into a different area and been where I am now a lot sooner. So first bit of advice, dream, but don't, but don't close your mind to all other things. Always keep your options open. That's my first bit of advice. My second bit of advice is, um, constantly think about what you could be doing better and I don't mean that in a constantly criticize yourself I think it's really important for you to always listen to people's advice around you and don't necessarily always take it but think about you know what it is you you know what like what it is you truly enjoy doing and what you feel like hasn't gone well and always be thinking about ways that you can maybe do it better I always think that that's really important so like and don't be shy to take the help don't be shy to take the help um and my third bit of advice is golden advice that I always give get plenty of sleep I like like I honestly think that being tired is the barrier to everything and it will make you give up when you shouldn't give up. So always get enough sleep. Make sure you're eating plenty. Look after yourself as like a number one, your health. Because otherwise, everything else will just crumble around, crumble around your ears. So three bits of advice. Options open. Don't focus too far in the future. Um, be critical of yourself in a positive way. Always take feedback and always be willing to learn. And don't be, don't be too proud about it. Take it, take your advice when you can. Sleep plenty.
that was Lisa Thompson talking about her experience of moving from English into behind the scenes in various different educational bodies and institutions. There's actually a huge amount of Lisa's career we didn't cover in this interview. At the very start of the interview, you would have heard me say that there was bits of her career that I knew about that uh, I was excited to explore. We actually didn't touch on a single one of those. Everything that we talked about today was new to me and, and I just thought it showed the potential variety there is for jobs in uh, education. To end today's show, I want to focus on two particular points. Uh, the first one is something I mentioned earlier on in the interview, which is the importance of having a role that allows you to kind of catch your breath in your career, to kind of, you know, just to, for everything to be okay for a little while and not have to push yourself just to kind of, just a place to find your breath, to find your level, to kind of find your headspace with everything. And that was Lisa's uh, an initial job after she came out of uh, education. And then let's compare that when she starts working for the exam board. You can hear the difference in her energy, in her enthusiasm, her willingness to push herself and to learn and to grow. And the, I suppose, the heartbreak when she got to the point where she had taken that as far as she could take it. She had to once again switch and change and try to find a new path. I've always kind of held the opinion that career progression is is sort of implied to be a linear progress it's not there are ups there are downs there are times when things get stagnant there are times when things move incredibly fast faster than you can keep up with because your career is just a subsection of your life and as everyone knows especially under the current climate life is unpredictable but instead of worrying about that unpredictability i hope you will find some sort of excitement and enjoyment out of the change, out of the challenge, out of the unique and individual opportunities that will come up in your life in one way, shape or form. Because no matter what road you're on, I know you'll find your own path. I'm Kino Sullivan. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Graduate Compass. Remember, if there is a degree subject or specific industry you would like to be featured on any future episodes, then we would love to hear from you and know what you are trying to find out. Our email is info at graduatecompass.ie.